0: Hi, everyone. It's Marin here. I want to bring my good friend and special guest back because in our business, there's many who say, and then there's those that do. And David, I want to thank you for making time for all my viewers, because what you're doing is just flat out awesome. As a shareholder, I want everyone to know, I am talking my book because I believe in this. You just announced a dividend. You just went public less than 12 months ago. You raised just under hundred million US and look what you've done, transaction after transaction, you've grown your base to the fastest growing royalty company in the world when it comes to major assets in politically stable jurisdictions, meaning low risk jurisdictions, jurisdictions that I can take my family to the mine site in a rented car and not worry about security and all these issues. So first off, congrats, because I like getting paid dividends. Thank you for that. But most importantly, you're paying the sector average in the mean, and you have a much bigger growth profile. So first question, why did you decide to do a dividend so early in the growth of the company compared to other guys that took five or 10 years before they announced the dividend?
1: Well, we were very busy in the last year in terms of rolling up some of our peer companies. Uh, We bought three companies in the last year and went from 17 royalties at our IPO to 191 royalties today, six of which are meaningfully providing cash flow to us today, seven are in construction. So we feel we have a strong upward trajectory in our revenues over the next three to five years and beyond with some foundational chunky assets. Canada's biggest gold mine, Canadian Malartic, we have a royalty on that. We have a royalty on the underground extension of Strike, the US's biggest gold mine and a very prolific uh, operation for Barrick and Newmont over many, many decades. So we have that foundational element. We have multi-decade deposits. We have annuities within our portfolio. So we have a high degree of confidence that we can set the dividend at the level we have now, which was just short of a 1% yield. But we think we can meaningfully grow it over time as our cash flow ramps up over the next several years. So, this is an exciting development for us. We've gone from zero uh, to uh, sustainable cash flow from a very diversified portfolio, entirely focused in the Americas. And 75% of our business is focused in the two best jurisdictions in the world. Uh, Nevada and Quebec, as judged by the Fraser Institute for mineral potential, low political risk, low regulatory risk. I want to expand on that. For the first decade of my career, I prided
0: myself. I like lived on the road, literally lived the scars physically, you know, uh, went through it to, to make it, right? I paid my dues. And then I started realizing like, wow, the, the goalposts are changing in these you know emerging market areas. And many of them are AK 47 areas and just a political risk. And they're just jurisdictions that my friends are in that I just don't great assets, great structure, but the government is going to steal from you. And as a foreign shareholder, as a you know, who's who are they going to go after? The locals or the foreigners? You know who's going to lose that trade. I really want to emphasize something here that everyone should understand. Three-quarters of the assets of gold royalty, of the cash flow, the growth, I want you to explain this to everyone, is in Nevada and Quebec. When you mentioned number one or two, you know, a lot of people might know what the Fraser Institute means or who gives a crap about some third party, you know, consulting group. I like them, but people might know what that means. Please explain what, you know, in the US, what gold strike is, who the partner's there and why it's so important.
1: Well you make an excellent point that the unusual thing about our business is if we have a problem with the government we can't move. Our deposits are in the ground. And so we're we're wedded to the government, the regulatory uh, uh, apparatus within that jurisdiction and the surrounding community. So you want to be in a place that welcomes mining um, that has a rational regulatory framework. So being in in Quebec and Nevada gives us a competitive advantage from that standpoint, but also these are two of the most prolific gold districts in the world, Quebec and Nevada. And that's evidenced by the scale of these deposits. We have exposure to two of the biggest gold deposits in North America, the biggest in Canada, the biggest in the US, in Canadian, Malartic and Quebec and and, uh, gold strike in Nevada, at least the underground extension of it, which Barrick is about to publish a resource on and integrate into their mine plan over the coming five to 10 years. So it represents meaningful growth in the best jurisdictions in the world. And these are still geologically prospective deposits. They're still being actively explored by well capitalized operating companies. And they're likely to continue to grow uh, these deposits geologically, which gives our shareholders significant optionality to that expiration upside. The key phrase you said that I want everyone to
0: focus on is well capitalized companies. So you look at your main assets, you got Barrick and Newmont, bang, awesome in the Nevada. You got Agnico Eagle, right? in Yamana on, on, on the former, you know, when Cisco built up Malarctic, the whole way it got bought out, super strong balance sheets you're not exposed in some place like turkey where you don't know what the rules are and even if you get it you can't get your money out because you're playing under erdogan's games not you know the foreign rules so you look at what's happening here and and capitalization cost inflation is going to be a huge issue in mining And, and and here's my take i've been involved in many mine builds and it's not necessarily the CEO's fault, but they take the final pay. But what happens is they get these consultants, these engineering firms, and it takes about two years to build up this study of what you need. And by the time the company gets the regulatory approval, the financing, the board approval, the insurance, they go to build this thing, you're looking at a window of three to five years. Well, good luck getting the build today at the cost that you had two years ago. And it's not just COVID, it's supply chain issues, it's labor, all sorts of issues. So you're going to have serious risks. And we're seeing it in real time on many of these companies building these mines. Explain why someone like David Garofalo, who was there at the beginning of the biggest growth of Agnico Eagle, which is one of the greatest gold miners in, 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 in the world right now, top five easily. Uh, you, you were the CEO of Gold Goldcorp. Before that, you were involved CEO of Hudbay, you know, at the time, Canada's largest diversified miner. So why are you now flipping into royalties? A guy who's built many mines and his team, you know, this is a different shift for you.
1: Well, you know, you bring up a good point. I've actually been involved in the construction of 15 mines in my career. So I know exactly what the operators are going through and the dynamic they have to deal with in terms of cost risk, technical risk, and building these mines out. And i would say right now there's one word uh, that describes why i've made the shift to royalties it's inflation and while i'm a big believer in gold i think gold's going to go to three thousand dollars in this cycle at a minimum uh the question i ask myself in the midst of that cycle is where do i best position myself to enjoy optimum leverage to the gold price and it's not in the producers uh, the producers are going to be facing significant cost pressures for two reasons. One is we have inflation in the general economy, which is significantly understated by the CPI headline numbers of 7%. If you're putting food in your stomach, fuel in your car or a roof over your head, it's not 7%. It's well into double digit territory. They're experiencing the same sort of cost pressures in the mining business that will undermine their margins. In my view, it's not unlike what happened 10 years ago when we came out of the credit crisis, gold ran up 140% base metals were ripping because we were in the middle of the Chinese super cycle. And we saw all of these mining companies in the base and precious universe start to build new mines. That drove up input costs dramatically. And as a result, even with the gold price going up 140%, the producers only went up 60 to 70%. They significantly underperformed the commodity because of those cost pressures eating away at their margins. You know what happened to the streaming and precious metal companies? They went up 350% during that gold run because You're getting that top line exposure while insulating your shareholders entirely from the input cost inflation. And that's recurring in this business today because of, again, the underinvestment in new mine capacity over the last half a dozen years and the inflation in the economy generally, which we didn't have 10 years ago. So this is where we need to be to provide investors with optimum leverage to the gold price. I completely agree. I want everyone to know you're not paying me
0: in any form to do this. I'm doing this because I believe in it. And and I love trying to educate people. That's my background. And and the best part of me being me is I can do what I want. Okay. And I'm disclosing to everyone. I am a big shareholder. I'm a huge fan and everyone should know that, you know, I didn't know. Obviously we knew of each other for many years, but we we really started to get to know each other this past year. And of anyone I've worked with in my career, you got to understand, David, everybody pitches me like, you know, I'm, I'm in the zone, you know, and, and a lot of guys say, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Oh, there's a delay with the exchange. Oh, you know, don't worry. If, if, if you do this, Goldman Sachs will come in right after. It's like, okay, you are one of the few people you're up there with like a Ross Beattie and Amir Danny. When you said it, you under promised and over delivered. And I must say, David, I, I tip my hat to you. Great work. You've kicked ass, but really what I want everyone to understand is, what you and Sean and the crew at Agnico Eagle did, you're kind of doing a, mer- a mirror image for the royalties and the market yet hasn't figured this out. And that's what I'm so excited about because Agnico never ran what, you know, Barrick and, uh, you know, uh, the big, big porphyry free copper deposits that the capex inflation just crushed them. And then the permitting crushed them. Agnico was very disciplined and they stayed in low political jurisdiction and, and look how successful they've done it. Sean's done an incredible team. You were right there. You were the CFO for 10 years. You saw that growth. Is that a fair comparable? Because that's me saying that. What does the guy who was there and just doing it now think of that?
1: No, it, look, it's an excellent uh, analog or analogy because if you look at the royalty space right now, uh, they're the big guys, the category killers. And there's three of them. You know, There's and Precious Metals, Franco Nevada, and Royal Gold. And then there's the rest. Uh, you know, they're around a billion-ish market cap and below, some of them far below that, very illiquid, very difficult to grow off that. those kind of small platforms because of lack of access to capital. There is no mid-tier in the royalty space. And that's exactly where we were back in 1998 when I was starting with IGNICO Eagle. We were a $100 million market cap company, 90,000 ounces a year of production. And we had this vision that if we ever got ourselves to a million ounces a year, we could get ourselves to 5 billion market cap. At the time, there was no mid-tier. There was a bunch of small players and there was Barrick and Newmont, everybody else. And we said, if we could get to a million ounces a year and 5 billion market cap, we'll get a growth multiple because we'll be small enough to grow, but big enough to matter to institutional investors. And that's exactly what happened in Nico. Now it took a dozen years. We had to build six mines. Mining is much more difficult than building a royalty business. You know, There's a lot more technical risk and capital intensity associated with that. So it took us a long time, but when we got there, we got the growth multiple. Not only did we achieve 5 billion market cap, when I left Ignico Eagle to run HUD Bay in 2010, we were a $10 billion market cap company up from hundred million dollars. And that's because we systematically built out that scale and relevance. And that's what we're effectively trying to do with Gold Royalty. Through this roll-up strategy, we had a very successful IPO with a small royalty base of 17 royalties. We've expanded that to 190 royalties. We've rolled up three of our peer companies and effectively quadrupled our size and increased our portfolio scale by, by tenfold. We provided a lot more diversity, cash flow, and we're achieving that scale. And I think that's what we'll try to create over time, systematically, is fill that void in that mid-tier in order to be big enough to matter, but small enough to grow to attract that attractive growth multiple. Now, David, we we went for
0: dinner, and I shared you the story of what Tom Kaplan shared with me that he admired. What he admires most about me is my ability to piss everybody off in the mining industry by telling the truth. And one thing that I want to technically piss off everybody now by saying is the royalty sector is such a strategic investment that it, it went from investment bankers and what I call you know uh, spreadsheet jockeys that know how to use Excel use consultants, and hoping that the price of gold goes up. You're one of the elders now in the business. I know you don't like to feel that way, but I'm sure early in the morning when you get up and we've had many calls at 5.30, 6 in the morning, you're up, you're a professional. But the fact is, you've lived it. You have the scars to live, you know, you've earned your trade. Something I want to explain to everyone is you're not some slick young investment banker who's, you know, going to leverage... Consultants and 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 their you know their analyst skills, you have all that obviously, but it's not just David you're a follow here. It's the team who've actually built mine. So you know, explain that differentiating factor of what you've built, and let's say many of the others.
1: Well, look, I I think we've done a great job in execution. You're giving me way too much credit. I, I have assembled a team underneath me and on the board that is second to none in the royalty space. i put us up against even the large cap companies because collectively that board of management has 400 years of industry experience, but on the mine building side, development side, we're not bankers, um, we're not uh, investment advisors, we're, we are nuts and bolts mining guys that have actually built and operated mines. And so, you know, within my board, I have Alan Hare, 40 years as a mineral process engineer, a former CEO, a former chief operating officer, a prolific mine builder in his own right. Warren Gilman, who's a a provider of capital to the mining industry and has been for over 30 years, a serial entrepreneur, uh, the the co-founder of Gold Royalty with me, he's on the board. Uh, Garrett Dawson, who was one of the founders of of Gold Mining Inc., our former parent company, a geologist. Uh, Alistair Still, former uh, Gold Corp uh, mine operator, mine builder, geologist. Uh, Sam Ma, our VP of technical services, it goes on and on and on. These are people that have built and operated mines and have a clear eyed view of the underlying risk of building these mines, understand how operators think. And importantly, given the seniority of our team, we have unmitigated access to anyone in the industry. We can I, love up- is,
0: I, I love disruption and, and, and people who know me know my style. Um, I absolutely love disruption because our industry craves it. But it's set up that people don't want the disruption. People don't like you know, potentially hostile MA because it disrupts the status quo. The investment bankers like their big posh fees and they like having that pipeline of fees. They don't want to piss anyone off. I get it. That's how they make money. The executives don't want to piss off others because you may work on other boards, you get options. It, they got cushy jobs. It's kind of the status quo that, wait a second, but really... You've disrupted the sector. You're bringing in a major riffle where it's like, okay, it's time to consolidate. So David, please keep doing what you're doing. I salute the aggressiveness and I I appreciate, and and just so everyone knows, you're also the number one performing precious metal royalty company in the world for 2021. So what are you going to do in 2022 to continue that trend and make me more money?
1: Well, look we've announced a bid for elemental and all i will say is please refer to the offering documents which we mailed to their shareholders last week we think it uh, represents a compelling value proposition for both our and their shareholders and it's really part of that broader consolidation theme we need to create scale to improve our access to capital we're one of the most liquid stocks in the space already Uh, but we want to continue to perpetuate that so we can uh, reduce our cost of capital and maintain a competitive position as we look to continue to perpetuate and grow our business through further royalty acquisitions. Scale does matter. As I said, if you're big enough to matter and small enough to grow, you're going to get that multiple and that's going to drive down your cost of capital and keep you competitive. It creates a virtuous cycle that allows you to continue to grow in perpetuity. And that's what we've created. We created a, a vast multi-decade annuity with the portfolio of royalties. We have 191 royalties that will continue to uh, increase our cash flow over time and hopefully increase our dividend over time and yield to investors. It's a business that's gonna be very profitable and eminently scalable. I have six full-time employees. I could run this business with those six employees if it were 10 times the size, eminently scalable. We're not running or operating the mines, we're providing capital and we're doing it on a cost-effective basis so that we generate per share value and per share returns to our shareholders.
0: And it's why the biggest guys in the from the investment standpoint, the guys like Eric Sprott, Rob McEwen are such big fans and shareholders of what you're doing. And, and look, like I said, I'm not an easy guy to get along with nor exceed my expectations. Because if, if I'm investing in someone, it's because I want them to, you know, ruin their life to make their shareholders a lot of money during that time, not, you know, busting their chops and you've done that you're when i've contacted you you respond so thank you for that david keep doing what you're doing and uh all the best to you and the team thank you subscribe to the kro which is a katusa resource opportunities to find out exactly what prices i'm buying at and what price i sell at before the trade occurs and you get to sell before i do If you want to give your portfolio an edge, consider becoming a member and giving it a try for yourself.